The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Okay, welcome back. I hope you're doing well. Something that I do often in my classes with my homeschool high school students, all 165 of them, is I will play word association, which helps me to see where they're at and their understanding with some things that you would think they would understand or you would think they would know. But uh, oftentimes, sadly, they don't, which is one of the reasons I do that every week. Uh, But let me do that one with you. And so if I say southern border or border crisis, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Is it a picture of uh, people of color and the Rio Grande Valley and the wall or not the wall? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Joe Biden? Is it uh, the uh, Border Patrol and the folks down there? Is it drones? Is it Fox News coverage? Uh, But basically, it's Texas, Arizona, and Mexico. And for most of us, that's kind of where you go when you think about the border crisis or the southern border and the the, uh, illegal immigrant problem, however you want to uh, phrase it. But it's actually, if you think of a funnel, and in this case, we're going to invert the funnel. Okay, the The bottom of the funnel where everything comes out, that's our southern border. So go ahead and keep that in your mind. But if you go to the top of the funnel where everything's getting poured in, it's not Mexico. You have to go a whole lot further south than that. And so in the summer of 2021, uh, Misty Headspath was here to talk about uh, Hearts Cry Children's Ministry, which I know doesn't sound like it's uh, directly... Uh, related to the border crisis, but it is. That's that's why it's there. And, and as a result of what's going on up and down this trail of tears, if you will, there's a humanitarian crisis. And it's uh, what we see is on our border, but it goes a lot further south than that. So we're going to get re-educated today and recalled to what the Lord would have us do. And there's a whole lot of bad news here. There's a lot of things that we just don't know, uh, again, because we're pretty much just fed what's happening down on our southern border. But there's a lot bigger story than that. So, Misty, it's great to have you back. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And so um, what what kind of started this journey for you guys? Um, in Panama in general. Is that what you mean? Or yeah, I lately? mean, you were up yeah. here living life like normal yes. Americans yes. Uh, doing your thing. And the next thing you know. We were living the Christian Raleigh dream. Yes. And just leading Bible studies and minding our own business. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the Lord um, laid on our hearts this orphan crisis uh, around the world and specifically in Panama, Central America. Um, through many divine appointments, he opened the door so that we could go down to Panama. We were invited in because I'm an attorney in um, Wake County, actually. And I had gotten to know the Hague Treaty and had gotten involved with international adoptions, um, as well as the Abuse and Neglected Dependency Courtroom here in Raleigh. Um, and I had just gotten really involved with children's rights. And we went down ourselves um, to turn in our dossier and adopt, and the Lord opened some amazing doors to where we were able to see right away kids are not getting out of orphanages. There's a massive bureaucracy problem, um, 50-some orphanages in the country, and tons of children wanting families, but um, and lots of people waiting for families, yeah. but the bureaucracy was stopping it. And so he showed us 
um, that he was calling us, my husband and myself, down to Panama in order to um, help with the orphan crisis and in order to work with the government. We helped rewrite the um, foster care and adoption laws in the country. Um, we started our own foster and adoption agency for Freedom Nationals. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, the Lord called us to open a special needs orphanage and therapy center. And that's what we have right now. Right now, It's called Casa Providencia. Yeah. And so that's kind of the uh, the heart, if you will, of, of Hearts Cry Children's Ministry. Uh, but then if you go look, and I'm putting links up now for not only Hearts Cry Children's Ministry, but a link tree page where you can see all these different things. There's some other things going on here now in your guys' ministry life. Uh, that is, you wouldn't necessarily, like you see guys that look like they're special forces kind of guys. And that doesn't sound like something that would normally tie to an orphanage in Panama. So all of a sudden it expands to this whole problem we have with this trail of tears going up and down from our border all the way down as far as Panama. Right. So if you're one of our supporters, thank you so much for working with us and helping us uh, run the orphanage. What I'm about to share has nothing to do with that side of the ministry. This is something I've just been working on the side. Um, and what ended up happening was our missionary friends in the area started telling us about the huge problem that was growing with the migrant trail going through Panama. Previously, in years past, it had been maybe a couple hundred people a year. But all of a sudden, January 2021, it went to thousands in a month, you know. Um, And then by that summer, we started learning of all the children that were suddenly making it through the journey. Prior to this, no one would dare take a child through that treacherous journey because it was so horrific. Um, But what we started learning was that people realized children were the golden ticket. If you had a child with you or if you're a woman who was pregnant, then you would get through the lines faster um, in every single checkpoint or or stop along the way, as well as at our southern border here. And it's really because of how we... Um, declared that at our southern border that family units could get through. Mm-hmm. That's what precipitated all of this madness that's been going on for the past you know, year and a half. Yeah, I keep telling people we're the one that put the cheese on the mousetrap. And the Absolutely. cheese is a porous southern border. And they knew it. I mean, people up and down uh, this path and the people all the way down to Panama and the Darien Gap all knew as soon as Biden comes in, there's a new sheriff in town. He's not really a sheriff. He's just a sleepy old grandpa. And everything's going to change. And as soon as you do that, you put all kinds of cheese on the mousetrap and then you get a humanitarian crisis which they never want to talk about they just want to talk about hey uh, we want to be open and this country was built on immigrants well uh true to a certain extent but that the bigger crisis here isn't even so much what's our border policy it's a humanitarian crisis and especially when it comes to kids because like you said they're the golden ticket they're the meal ticket you're going to go for a walk you grab a bottle of water i was thinking about this earlier when i handed you a bottle of water you want to make the trek up and get into the good old us of a you need a kid Mm -hmm. and if you don't have one so what you just grab one is it literally that it's kind of that black and and by the way we're not going to check the documents yeah, which is crazy. So it's insane. It's so, literally it's literally incentivizing um, ch- children to be trafficked. On a scale from 1 to 10, Misty, we're talking to Misty Headspath from Hearts Cry Children's Ministry. We've got a lot of ground to cover today, literally and figuratively. On a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being uh, the worst, from when you first started to get a glimpse that we have this whole problem going up and down and the, and the kids' involvements and kids being used – and the humanitarian crisis, a scale from one to 10, now that you've been dealing with it for a few years, uh, relative to when you first found out, how bad is it really? 
I thought it was about a six, and then whenever I went and saw it myself, it's way beyond a ten. It's, it's worse than I could have imagined. Yeah, just horrific. So we'll um, Misty's going to share some of those stories with us as best as possible, so that we can all understand exactly what's going on down there, and then ultimately, what do we do about it, especially if we're followers of Christ? We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show, today talking about the crisis on our southern border. But I want you to expand your thinking of that uh, today as we learn more about Hearts Cry Children's Ministry. So there, we got a couple different things we're dealing with here today with Misty Headspath. Uh, she and her husband had started Hearts Cry, and it's, that's down in Panama. But Panama is part of the southern border problem because of this whole trek, which would include an area called the Darien Gap, which you're going to learn about and so we have uh, an opportunity for you to support the orphanage, which we're going to talk about. There's 22 babies down there right now. Uh, but then there's just the advocacy that Misty is doing and, and with politicians and anybody that will listen. And there's other groups involved, which I want to make sure we all understand that, Misty, and, and what's going on up and down this trail of tears. That phrase keeps coming back to me, but I teach U.S. history. So that one's kind of burned into my head. Uh, but then you, you finding out about it and getting in there, I asked you that question before we hit the break. Uh, and it's way worse than you ever expected. So so take us into that and just like the first time you decided to go explore and see what was actually happening. You're dealing with kind of the 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 refuge from it all with the kids that survive when you mm-hmm. have an orphanage. But mm-hmm. what was it like the first time you went to go see? Well, I was invited by um, some journalists that were going into the area um, as well as the government social worker and psychologist and attorney were going down uh, way into the the bottom. Um, so whenever you go through the Dadian Gap, it's a 60-mile journey. They leave. They come from countries all over the world into easy visa countries like Ecuador um, and Peru, and then they make their way up to Colombia, and then they tr- they have to walk from Colombia into Panama in this area called the, the Dadian Gap. And that's the most treacherous, one of the most treacherous jungles in the world. Um and so anyway, what what I did was I went with this group of um, people from the government in order to investigate the children's rights and whether or not they were being violated. And so we went down to the very bottom where the people pop out at the at the end of that jungle trek. And at that point, there's an indigenous village. Um, which for us to get there from from Panama City, you know, it was, I don't know, five hours in a car and then four wow. hours in a dugout canoe with indigenous people. Um, just one. Of, it was one of the most dangerous things I've ever done. I have lived in Panama 11 years and I had never done anything like this that far down because, you know, the U.S. Embassy says you can't go down there. Yeah, we yeah. had to have special permission to get past the guards to go down there. Um it, it was it was a big deal, and it was very, very intense. We went at flood stage, and I didn't know if we were going to make it, but we did. Um, yeah, because that was some of the video I saw on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, I made a little video. Sorry, my videos aren't that great. I'm an attorney, not a video maker. But, <laughs> yeah, but it takes um, you right down there, and you yeah. see – you guys should go look at that. I put that link up. That's uh, the link tree. So when you go to a link tree, for those of you that are – not 30. Uh, when you get there, you're going to see all these different links. Okay. So all the different things involved in this conversation that Misty is referring to are all there. And plus I pu- I'll put up the link directly to that YouTube page and the YouTube videos. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that you're not used to seeing. No. And it was lightning. It was one of the worst storms I'd seen in Panama. It was flooding literally. And um, we were about to turn back and we just prayed and then just decided to go for it. 
Um, and I just knew the Lord told me, you know, my, my dad used to say this, the safest place to be is the center of my will. Sure. And so, um, so we got in the boat and we went, it's, I'm saying boat. It was a, anyway, it was intense. Um, and we get down there and I'm with the government, you know, psychosocial attorney team. And I'm there to investigate the documents that the people are, are exiting the jungle and there's a checkpoint. And that's kind of the, the funnel place where we were. And what I saw just totally broke me so much. I could hardly even speak for a few days afterwards. It was so, it was so bad. I had been around the world and visited many other um, orphanages yeah. in Haiti, you name it. But this was, this was one of the roughest things I've ever seen because people were coming out bloodied, barely walking, um, barely alive from the jungle. If you're a super fit, like Delta Force agent, it takes you six days to get through there. You know, these were not super six fit. Yes. Yeah, these were not super fit <laughs> individuals that were coming out of the jungle. Um, plus, most of them had had kids. And so it takes you even longer. Um, and so anyway, whenever I went there, I saw children. For example, a woman was holding her toddler and um, what happens is dysentery sets in from the oh, jungle yeah. because they didn't prepare. They don't have water. They don't have the, the right amount of food. And then they're drinking from the streams. There's parasites like crazy, this, you know, the nastiest stuff going on out there. And then the babies start having diarrhea. And then within a few days, this journalist I spoke to said, like, within five or six days, they're dead. Well, I was seeing them on that day one when they were about to die. And there was just the flesh ripped off of the baby's bottoms from all the diarrhea. Um, and I saw one child sitting there at the, the little um, wooden bench where the government social worker had placed this child who was about to die. Um, and I saw many other children that were on their way to death. And it was just a very hard thing to see. And it was very hard to know that it was because our border was open. Right. That's what got me so much. Just, just one simple thing, like a president standing yeah. up and saying – um, nothing and right. allowing everyone across, right. you know, meant that these babies were dying. So I'd like to, jungle. let me jump in there right quick. And I don't want to, I'm not going to talk about politics for the rest of the time, but uh, there were a lot of things about Donald Trump I didn't appreciate in his approach and mean tweets and all. I, I get all that. But if you're somebody that thinks just Donald Trump was the most reprehensible person on the planet, just remember the fact that he was tough on the border and did, did a lot of things that needed to be done. That actually saved lives. You can hate him all you want, but the policies that he was trying to put in place and many that they did not act uh, cut off a lot of this. And then as soon as Biden comes in, and that's why I just looked this up, 151,000 migrants crossed the gap en route to the United States between January and September last year. And you're talking about one experience when you were there for just a little one while. One day. One right. day. And this is 151,000 people with tons of kids, uh, nearly 22,000 of them. 22,000 kids between January and September last year going through arguably one of the most dangerous treks of jungle on the planet. And if you're going to allow people in, that's fine. Right. That's, you know, I don't I don't agree personally, but that's your prerogative, but don't allow the children in without the proper documentation, right. without checking them. Because no, Right. Because why? Because they're going to bring them as a commodity up through the jungle and use them all along the way. Um what I also saw other than the children dying in front of me was 
um, there was a, a little boy that I was called to go and see his case because the government workers said, hey, this is a reunification. We found the family. This is so exciting. And, um, you know, I jump into attorney mode and I'm going to check out this this child. And I was excited with them. And then um, I was also there with a former head of DHHS in the region. I was also there with some former Delta Force agents. Um, and we all went to go and check the situation out. And what I found was the documents weren't matching up. And actually, this wasn't um, this wasn't the child's mom like she said she was. But what alerted me wasn't the documents. I was sitting in the car with the child. He'd had COVID. He was sick. He was upset a little, and I was singing to him. Um, and he was a sweet little boy named Samuel. And um, anyway, as soon as this woman walked up, he looked at me and said, that's not my mom. That's not my mom. Yeah, and again, don't just to expand your thinking once again. Don't just think kids as commodities, but this is uh, rich sex trafficking land as well. This is child sex trafficking. Okay, I have I have a friend that do- deals with that kind of stuff around the world. We're talking four, five, six, seven year olds. Get that in your mind. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show here today, uh, trying to educate you and uh, activate all of us to get involved with what's going on. When we think about the southern border, generally we think of just that tight area, whether it's Texas or Arizona and uh, El Paso and Mexico and right there along the Rio Grande uh, River and the valley. And and yes, that's true. That's, That's kind of the end of the line. But this is a line that stretches all the way back down to South America through uh, Panama and the uh, – I'm saying it like an American, right? Darien Gap. But how do they say it? Darien. Like a D. Darien. Because that's – all right. I got it. So the Darien Gap, which is one of the most dangerous – it's about a 66-mile trek through uh, one of the most dangerous journeys through a a jungle basically on the planet. And people are dragging to the tune of 122,000 of them went through there between January and September last year. That included 22,000 children, which is what Misty's talking to us about. Uh, and that started with Hearts Cry Children's Ministry, the orphanage down in Panama. So you can uh, follow the links to get to that and check that out. HeartsCryChildren.com is the website. Abandoned but not forgotten. You'll see that at the top of the homepage. And then other things that uh, will allow you to see. Did you just lose your headphones? I did. So did I. Okay. Hey, Josh, can you help us out with that? And um, okay. so there's that. And then like this, I talked about this a couple of days ago where there was – uh, nearly a hundred people on the terror watch list. I want to get to the type of people that are out there. That was just last year, and just this month, thirty-eight people on the terror watch list. So a hundred all last year, and thirty-eight just this month. And then you you mentioned this earlier, Misty. Uh, over two million in the last twelve months. But we're looking at it, especially uh, the people coming up through the uh, Dadian Gap all the way up through South America, basically starting at the top of South America, working their way up to Mexico. You get to Mexico. Now you're on the downside of your journey uh, and all these children. And it's just horrific. And people are just grabbing kids because that's their golden ticket. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you're in a situation where uh, the mom's coming over. You, somebody's thinking it's the mom. Everybody's happy. But the little child says, that's not my mom. Right. So they're just they're just pawns and tools for sex traffickers and the cartels and everybody else. There's a lot of bad players in here. And then they tricked me with this little child who tells me it's not their mom. And they say, okay, we're going to take him back to the hospital. Um, 
and you can go on, you know, go on to the hotel. We got it. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying hotel. It was a joke. Yeah. But um, <laughs> anyway, we so I turned around and I saw immediately someone took him into the OIM tent, which is the NGO that's internationally pushing all the migrants up in every single country along the way. Um, and they then took him to that woman. Um, and right away, back around. Right back around. And we all knew the documents weren't matching up and nothing was we were going to wait till the next day and figure it out. But then they completely took him away from us and then gave him to her and then got them on a bus and shipped him up north. So there's a bunch of NGOs doing that, oh. all these non-government organizations oh. who oh. are funded by. Um, well, a lot of it's from us. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Set the trap and then fund getting the, the mouse to the trap so you can break its neck. Yeah, so I obviously was shaken up by this entire ordeal. I've never had a child trafficked out of my arms like that. And so um, I began meeting with anybody I could. I met with congressmen on both sides of the aisle. I, um, I, and what I was really pushing for, I got connected with this group that had a rapid DNA machine mm. where you could um, wow. literally – they work in different refugee camps around the world. And, and I got the price for it, and we were going to get it to um, – down there in that migrant camp so that within 45 minutes we could actually decide if this child was related to the yep. person or not imagine um, that and so i was trying to meet with someone from the u.s embassy i was i was connected with the panamanian government with it i met with high up individuals in the panamanian government and first thing i did was i apologized on behalf of the entire united states as to how we were trashing their country wow. um, by opening our borders i mean you wouldn't believe what has happened in these indigenous villages they're just completely Completely trashed. Malaria has now come back. Um, the worst diseases that they had gotten rid of <laughs> in these, you know, super far out indigenous villages were now completely ransacked, and all of the diseases have have come back. Um, and it's just because at that point, a thousand people a day were coming through that village. Um, that I went into, and I yeah. saw the numbers. Um, so anyway, I met with as many people as I could. It got nowhere, absolutely nowhere. No one. Um, could help with funding for that project, and it was an expensive project. It's an expensive machine. I had, you know, we had all the players in place to do it because I know the people that work with um, the equivalent of social services in the country, and we were ready to go, but it was not allowed. And I believe it was because the OIM group and the other NGOs that were um, pushing everyone northward. That's what that's what I believe. Based well, on listen, what I you got the thing you got to understand about. Uh, organizations that appear to be there for a good cause is they are organizations and there are people that work there that get paid and they only exist if there's a problem and it's getting funded. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing starts to feed on itself. They're there actually enabling what the United States and the Biden administration started and they're all making money on it. Oh, absolutely. So it's basically us funding this whole train wreck up and down, including child sex trafficking. You can lay all of that at the foot literally of the Biden administration and and Congress, because how often are you running into people in D.C. at at the government level anywhere in the in in this country that actually care? Do you? Do you find any? Do you have any allies? I have found some. I have found some, believe it or not. Um, But the problem was certain... Certain you know sides said that they were strapped for the money and they didn't have any weren't able to make decisions. Now the balance has shifted. We'll see what happens. Um, but this is all on on us. <laughs> we as the American people of the United States are responsible for allowing yeah. all of this to go on. Um, 
And like I said, I went and apologized to them and said, hey, let's let's stop this. Let's see what we can do. Um, but we couldn't get the funding to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, you know, you just feel so stuck. What can you yeah, do? And yeah. so you pray and you pray and you share. So that's what I've done. I've tried to share the stories with people. Since then, um, our ministry has gotten involved in, in several ways. Um, as I said, children are being trafficked. There was one child, a toddler, who was trafficked from Peru. Um, her, a man left Venezuela and was trying to come into the United States, so he entered Peru, and he knew he needed a kid to get through faster, so he grabbed this child. And um, actually, the the parents were very sophisticated and alerted all the authorities up the way to get to Panama. And yeah. so believe it or not, this is one of the few good stories mm-hmm. that they caught this child um and then the child was placed into one of our foster homes um and then you know one of the foster parents that we prepared and we worked with this family and monitored the family um the child was terrified of men just absolutely terrified after this most horrific journey you know when i went down there the lightning you you wouldn't believe the lightning how bad it is and i have a four-year-old little girl who was scared in the house of a storm right right and i mean this lightning storm, it'll kill anybody in a second. And the floods going through there, I mean, people get washed away in these rivers in a second. Um, and there's so many people dying, getting washed away in the river. There's actually, um, on the video, I'm going to be uploading it the next day or two, but it's about um, it's about how, you know, so many people are dying. There's literally, like, mass graves they're building in Panama with these body bags, just throwing them in there because they don't know who these people are. They don't know where they came from. And no one's looking for them. And so they'll just burying them right there. Another little girl that we helped along the way, um, her mom died on the trail right in front of her. And some other people helped her get through to finish the journey. And then um, she is with a foster family, and our psychologist is meeting with her weekly in order to help her get over the trauma, as if that's possible um, without the Lord, you know. Um, But these are real children. These are real stories. And those aren't even the ones that made it up here. Right. This is a whole trail of tears, like you're saying. There's children, just remnants of children just bleeding and dying all strewn out all along this (laughs) all along the way um and by the time they get up here what on earth has happened to them i mean i know from the people that they can't i I mean short of the lord intervening and doing something really powerful i don't you you don't recover from that there's no way you're not you're not going to be a normal person no you're utterly traumatized I mean, just from the elements that you went through, much less the women being raped around you, um, you know, well, the boys and the women that are being raped. You know, whenever I was in there, there was a they had the they kind of funneled everyone down to this migrant camp. There were there were different sections of it. And um, I was with these Delta Force agents and I wanted to go in there and try and find one of the family members of one of the children we were working with. And they were like, you're crazy. We're not going in there. They'll kill us. These guys are These saying guys, we're not going yeah, in there. Yeah, Delta Force is tough. Killers themselves when, ne- when necessary. And the, the men that were in that migrant camp were rioting and they were trying to get out. And um, it was extremely dangerous. And there was a nurse practitioner that was part of our group, and she had worked with a woman the day before who had been gang raped in the group in, in the migrant Jeez. camp and drugged through there, and no one helped her. Her injuries were absolutely horrific. 
Um, and that's from the migrants. Yeah. That's I'm not talking about on the migrant trail all the the coyotes, the people right. who paid are raping. All the cartel them. people come in and this do that. This is once they finally make it out. These are just the folks that are inside going up north with you. So uh, we'll, we'll turn the corner in the last segment and talk about what we can do besides the obvious, which is to be prayerful about this. And so all of us that are sick and nauseated and ticked off, if we're not praying about it, then we're just part of the problem. But there's other things we can do, too. So we'll keep talking to Misty Headspeth about it. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. I hope you're paying attention. Something we all have to be doing about this situation at the southern border, which stretches all the way down to the tip of South America and the thing called the, the Dottian Gap, all the way down to Panama with uh, 122,000 people last year making that trek up through that jungle, one of the most dangerous sections of jungle on the planet. And of that uh, big group, about 22,000 of them were children and being dragged up here um, probably more often than not by people that actually aren't their parents. Uh, they're being used and abused, neglected, raped, boys and girls of all ages. And uh, why are they coming? What's so attractive that they would risk uh, their their lives to do that, the adults that are dragging up here? Well, that would be the poorest southern border, the United States of America. This is a story that changed a couple of years ago when we changed from the mean guy with the crazy hair to the dumb old idiot who's allowing all this to happen. And now we have a Congress that's doing the same thing. And so uh, one of the things that I would encourage you guys to do, and then we'll turn it back over to Misty Headspath, who's here with us in the studio, Hearts Cry Children's Ministry, which has an orphanage down there, is uh, is find out, this isn't that difficult, take you three minutes if you care, to find out who your representative is in Congress. And then just call them or email them and say, hey, I just listened to this radio show and this lady Misty Headspath and Hearts Cry Children's Ministry. Are you aware of what's going on up and down the track that leads to our southern border because of our porous border policies. Are you aware of this? And what are you doing about it? And then you just keep burning them on that. You don't leave them alone. You bug the tar out of them. And that's the least you can do, plus prayer. But let's let's get back to it before I lose my junk. Misty, thanks for being here. Uh, all right, so talk to us about what, what – it sounds so hopeless. The numbers are massive. The government's unresponsive. You talked about Representative Tim Tiffany – He's in the House of Representatives from Wisconsin, a Republican. Uh, he's he's and he actually went down there. Yes. Did he go down there before he met you? Was he aware of it, or did you make him aware? I of it? spoke with no. He was aware of, of it for Thank our goodness. mutual friend journalist, and I spoke with him before they went on their trip, and then afterwards as well. Have you seen any news media outlet handle this? Fox News. Fox is the only one. It's the only one I've seen. Even locally in Panama, they don't want too much of it. No, of course not. It makes them look terrible uh, because they're enabling. Well, they want to blind the Panamanians from this little horrible thing that's going on the side. And that's why these NGOs are so slick at it. You know, they're they're literally once people come out of the jungle and they have to wait in the migrant camp and then they get on these buses through OIM and these other um, NGOs. And they ship them up to Costa Rica. Then they have to walk across the border there. And then sh- and then they bust them up to the next, to the next, to the next country. And they have to go through certain areas that aren't monitored or bust. Um, but for the most part, they have this down to where they're just funneling them. Yeah. Interesting thing I just saw um, this past this week, Ben Berkwam, which you should follow on Instagram, he, um, he went through the Dadian Gap himself. Um, which was extremely difficult. And wow. I'm so proud of him for doing that. Um, a friend of mine went to help take him down there. He's a media guy? Is that? Uh-huh. Um, as, a, as a guide. 
And so I've been following him. And right before you leave Columbia, there's an OIM tent that will give you a packet to help you get through the jungle. And it includes um, things such as condoms, female condoms, and um, basically it's a rape kit. It's it's uh, the morning after pill. Um, and so that's what you get as your little goodie bag before you enter the jungle because they know what's going to happen right. to you as a woman. Of course they do. And so – And that yet we're allowing children to go through there. And we're setting the trap. And children are watching it or having it done to them. Right, right. So these are extremely violent um, criminals that are along the trail, but then also a lot of violent criminals are the migrants themselves. And I actually witnessed that myself, like I mentioned before in the in the break. Um, one thing I do want to make people aware of here in Raleigh, for example, you know, I have a family member that's older and she leaves, leaves her door unlocked most of the time. Um, and now all these people that I saw when I went are probably up here around here somewhere. And I promise you, um, there are more criminals that have gotten through oh, in man. that two million number than we could ever imagine. Um, and so we we need to be aware that as a society we have led in people that we have no idea their background. Right. We have no idea you know what they're capable of, and you need to start locking your doors. Yeah, and so for you to even say that, well, of course you say it. You're a white person, and that's the way this gets played by the left. As soon as you start talking about, you question the character of the people coming across the southern border. You're one of those. No. But, but no, actually, what we do is we care about our neighbors. We especially care about children. Uh, Jesus is going to lean into that one a little bit more than he does uh, the safety or security of people our age, but. I mean, it's it's so twisted. And so I put links up for that, for the hot zone with Chuck Holton. I put the other one up uh, on Instagram. Uh, What can we do as individuals? Obviously, we need to support Hearts Cry Children's Ministry because you're kind of dealing with some of the children that you can rescue from that with the orphanage. But but what else do we do? Just just tell us. We have to stand up and fight to control the border. Don't worry about what people call you um, or what they say to you. What what I know. Um, and if you don't, if you want to come see it for yourself, then I can arrange for you to go down and see it. Um, children are being trafficked. They are being raped. They are being sold. Um, and they are dying to get up here. Yeah. And it's all because some adult wants to bring them. I don't think the children minded the countries that they were living in. I mean, I've seen some of the countries that they are coming from. Sure. And they were, they had housing, they had food, they had whatever they needed. In fact, an interesting side story. Well, a five-year-old would rather be impoverished and fed and in a home as opposed to being raped in a jungle. Yeah. I mean. Exactly. Sorry, go ahead. Um, One of our, (laughs) one person that worked with our ministry got um, fired for non-performance, let's say it that way, and uh, she has a house, she has a car, has a degree in Panama, um, and she was one of the ones that uh, just decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to the States, and now she's living in Utah. Right, get out of there. Yeah. So, I mean, the people that are coming through, they're fine. Before a lot of them, you know, they have yeah. they have homes. Um, a lot of the people that came from Haiti, it was way after the earthquake, and they were living in Peru. A lot of them, mm-hmm. and they had a separate place for housing for them. They had jobs, um, and then they decided, nope, I want to go to the states. Here's my chance, and they they took off and came. Again, if you're an adult, that's up to you, but don't don't take a child right, with right. you. Yeah. Just don't do it. And that becomes, like you said at the beginning of the show, that's the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. And then you have so many evil satanic players along the way that the kids are going to get swept up into all that. 
whenever Biden went down to the border just <laughs> a few weeks ago and air quotes and and said um, that it was no longer open. Um, what ended up happening was in, in Panama, the people that made it up that far to Panama, they got word of that. And guess what they did? They actually got on planes and went back home. <laughs> it just takes one word. Yeah, one. And it will happen. Um, now, of course, right afterwards, they realized that wasn't true. You can get through. And so they've started their way back up again. But it was amazing to see for a few weeks there people going back home and not trying to take children on this crazy journey. And I was and I was excited about that. I mean, it's horrible. It's been happening this whole time, but it can happen in one second. Mm-hmm. It just takes you going on CNN <laughs> right. internationally and saying you're not coming through. Yeah, we're going to um, shut it down. And I am all for people coming to this country legally. As of an attorney, I've helped people do it uh, multiple times, and I, and I am for the right people coming in this country with their background checks mm-hmm. and everything done properly and legally. Um, and for true asylum seekers, great. But what I saw were people that were coached by these NGOs, drop your IDs once you get to the Texas border. Yeah, they, they teach had, them how to play the game. Oh, totally. When they came into Panama, they all had their IDs. By the time they get to Texas, they don't have IDs. Sorry, I got nothing. Yeah. But yet you have to have your ID to get through every single country along the way. Mm-hmm. So it's only because some <laughs> NGO tent tells them to drop their IDs that suddenly they don't. So while there are a few asylum, true asylum seekers in the millions, two million at this point, um, the few that that applies to could have sought asylum a proper right. legal way. Right. But I'll tell you, you can't even get into the embassy to get a visa right now. The, the wait is so long. Um, they're purposely discouraging people from coming the legal route and they're encouraging people to come this illegal route oh yeah all 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 acting like what we're really trying to do is help you improve your life but again these ngos uh are making money completely they're making money I, um, you know, the the inter the international NGOs are getting paid to traffic humans right. up to the U.S. Right? Then they then they get once they get to the border, they drop their IDs, and then these NGOs are getting paid to ship people, you know, on airplanes to these different states, wherever they want to go. Um, they're getting their hotels paid for, their food paid for. Um, and then, guess what I just found out this week? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people have heard this, but $41 million in contracts were given to left-wing groups who fight against the deportation of those entering the country illegally. <laughs> guess what that means? They're now getting their legal fees paid right. to stay in this country. And what I started when I started digging, that headline was just a drop in the bucket. When I started digging, you look into organizations like the Veer Institute for Justice um, and, and other NGOs that have gotten – 136 million in grants Jeez. in 2020, right? In 2021, Follow the money. 50 million in grants. And then they fund smaller organizations like the Capital Area Immigrant, Immigrants Rights Coalition. Um, and these people are just getting paid. Right. Oh, everybody's making money on it. Right. And they're paying for the legal fees of these people. And there's a special interest affecting the Democrats up to the president of the United States uh, to make sure we have a loose border policy because everybody gets on the, the teat on that one. And then everybody's getting paid while kids are getting raped. So if you call yourself a Christian and you voted for Joe Biden, part of this is on you. Okay, there are consequences. You want to go back to Cheeto man bad. And don't think this is compassion. That's the whole point. No, it's not compassion. It's cash. 
the same reason the coyotes are doing it. The cartels are all in it for the cash. And, and the devil's using them to uh, rape, plunder, pillage, and kill, and steal, and destroy. And all wrapped up in that are little kids. That's little kids. Okay, so pray for, get involved with Hearts Cry Children's Ministry. Misty, thanks so much for being here. We'll do it again. Let's not wait a year and a half next Thank time. Thank you. God willing, you guys, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by the Truth Network.